As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the second half. This is Rates and Barrels. I'm Al Melkier. I'm filling in for Derek Van Riper. And with me here, of course, is Eno Saris on this show, Wednesday, July 12th. And uh, Eno, just before we were starting here, talking about the uh, the All-Star Game. We actually didn't talk at all about the, the Home Run Derby, but we'll we'll get to that in, in due time. Uh, but um, yeah, I figure we'll, we'll chat a little bit about some takeaways from that. And then also just a few, and, and of course, what we expect to be a slow news week, a few, I think, noteworthy news items. And then we'll just take the opportunity of the, the break here in the middle of the season to talk about some players that at least I personally am finding a little perplexing, not sure what to do about them and uh, see what your, your thinking is on those players. So, uh, but let's start, let's go back to Monday's home run derby, the winner, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And uh, kind of an interesting winner because one thing to me that's very notable about Guerrero's first half is that for the second year in a row, his home run to fly ball ratio is down. There's certainly, you know, nothing all that wrong with Laddie, but uh, it is an interesting trend. And, uh, you know, he comes away with... uh, the, the 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 crown in the home run derby. So, is that uh, something that maybe portends more power in the second half? I mean, the the opposite has long been said right. <laughs> uh, that the home run derby messes you up for the second half. But we've had other counterexamples. You know, Juan Soto um, hit better after his uh, derby championship uh, or derby run one year where. Uh, He'd been hitting too many ground balls and not pulling enough, and it kind of put him in that uh, in that uh, sort of swing or that mentality to uh, pull the ball more and hit for more power in that second half. I mean, that's exactly what you want for Vlad Guerrero is more homers. He's doing everything about the same as he normally has. He's just not lifting the ball as much. And um, I've got a piece coming out later this week that there's a slight worry for me that the new dimensions in his home park have something to do with this. Uh, they raised the walls in a lot of, they, they did very complicated things this off season. I don't know if you remember where like they brought the walls in, in some places, pushed them out in some places and raised the walls. Um, and it was all kind of hard to model. Um, I think the hope is that it'll just be pitching neutral, but right now it's actually uh it's flipped over to being more of a pitcher friendly park in one year park factors. Uh, and his home split right now for Vlad Guerrero Jr. is. I just looked at it. <laughs> it's not good. 247, yeah. 324, 373. So um, I don't know. Uh, I would assume that some of it is, you know, there's weather f- uh, factors in that. And then there's, I guess, I'm not really with a dome, but. Uh, I don't know, just maybe getting to understand how his park plays. I mean, I've talked to hitters about that over the past, and some some hitters will admit to targeting parts of their ballpark. You know, like Brian Dozier was like, yeah, the only place I can hit these balls out in Minnesota is right there. So if you looked at his map, 
all his homers were right there. Like he pulled all his homers to the shortest part of Minnesota. Um, so I wonder if there's just some getting to know his own park or if it's just some noise. It's just some short sample noise. And we've seen uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. go on kind of power streaks. He's really good, you know, normally. And then he has these sort of huge power streaks. And I just don't think he's had his power streak yet this year. Yeah, uh, well, that's a, a topic that I want to bring up a little bit later because the Yankees had a, a change at hitting coach. And uh, in fact, this came up on an earlier episode with John Carlos Stanton being a very streaky power hitter. Uh, but we'll, we'll save that for a little bit for later because I, I find that interesting that that's that's a kind of analysis I sort of lean to. And I always wonder if that's something I should be doing. So <laughs> we'll uh, talk more about that later. But let's uh, fast forward to the actual All-Star game, the uh, National League breaking their losing streak, winning for the first time since 2012. And uh, the hero, Elias Diaz. surprising fashion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, right. I mean, a surprising way to, uh, to come away with the victory there. So, um, I mean, first of all, I, I just find it, very strange how uh, the, the all-star game has just been so streaky. It used to be the, the, you know, when I was a kid, the national league dominated it. And pretty much for almost my whole adult life, <laughs> it's been the AL. I, I'll, I think it's just random, but uh, good to see the national league uh, bring some parody to the game. Uh, I have a, I do have a, a, a theory. Let me do this real quick. I might be wrong. My theory was that there were more high paid players in the American league. But I think I might be wrong now because the Mets, Padres, Phillies, and Dodgers are all in the top six. And only the Yankees and Angels uh, joined them. But maybe a few years back that was more true. I think that was more true in the past. But with the spending, especially of the Padres and Phillies, I think. Because it used to kind of be Yankees and Dodgers, you know. Uh, so some of those, some of those Mets, some of those Mets, Padres, and Phillies teams spending more, I think, has pushed them to the top. All right, well... Hooray National League, uh, at least for for this year. And uh, yeah, so getting back to Elias Diaz, uh, hits the the home run and having something of a breakout season in in games that count. And he's somebody who, in a 12-team league that I have in CBS, uh, he's always out there. I'm always like kind of looking like, oh, should I add him? And I always pass. And he's, he's available in leagues like that, 10, 12-team leagues. Uh, I mean, first of all, there's a couple of things, you know, do we buy what he's done in the first half being a, a top 10 catcher? Uh, in fact, he's seventh right now, according to the Fangraphs uh, value calculator uh, among catchers uh, in, in roto value, standard roto value. Uh, but then there's, you know, there's the question of, is this really the level of production that Diaz is at right now? And also, is he going to remain a Rocky uh, for the rest of the season? So when you look at all that together, is Diaz somebody that we should add where available right now or uh or like i've been doing just keep passing what is going on here this is wild the auction calculator has him as the 48th best catcher going forward well that seems extreme in the other direction I mean, <laughs> I mean, is the, is the playing time down? Is the you know are they yes. is that is that a non-course projection? They've got played appearances going forward, where uh, they've got Austin wins on Colorado for 180. Interesting, but that's not how the playing time has shook out so far. I assume that's building in a trade, which I don't know if that's something projections. No, they do. Mm, Would they build that in? I mean, it's built. I wouldn't think so. It's built on uh, the depth charts playing time for the most part. So let me go to the positional depth charts for the Rockies, (laughs) who are last. And no, they've got Austin Wins as the starting catcher, even though Elias Diaz has... Uh, a better Woba projected and is currently the guy who's playing the most at the position, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. He is. I mean, <laughs> I mean they picked him for the Austin wins. Like what? I don't understand this. Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, you know, this is, this happens in, in depth charts are done by humans. And so there is a human looking at this depth chart and thinking, Austin wins is going to play more and maybe it is due to a trade. 
but I would say Elias Diaz is under contract till 2025. I don't think that this Rockies, I think this Rockies team is perpetually deluded. And uh, I think that they'll think we just need to sell off some pieces and try again next year. Um, because they just signed Chris Bryant to that big contract. They just uh, have, you know, signed extensions with guys and stuff. So I don't, I, I think Elias Diaz remains a Rocky, and I would put him more in the top 10. I think the the would you rather on Elias Diaz comes down to hmm, Cal Raleigh. Uh, Tyler Stevenson, Mitch Garver, Danny Jansen, Kybert Ruiz. That's these are the I'm naming the guys the auction calculator says are all around twelve. I mean, who is there? Someone that pops off the page for me? Cal Raleigh for power, right? But if Diaz remains a Rocky, and you look at what he's done, he's get going to get a power boost average. from the home games. He's going to get a Babbitt boost yeah. from the home games. So I think he's got the potential to be a better all-around producer than every single person that you named. Hmm. Now, obviously, if you would rather have power than than Rally is, that's the that's the obvious clearly, one. And I would think that like Kevin Ruiz, if they both played in the same ballparks going forward, would probably have a better batting average, and like Alejandro Kirk maybe. But, mm-hmm. you know, Kirk and Ruiz, when you've got – it's like Stephen Kwan. Like, do, do you – I almost think that it's like a command pitcher when they don't have the command and you're just like, are they going to get it back? Like, Stephen Kwan is only striking out a little bit more than he did last year. He's got the same kind of similar barrel, max EV, all that type of stuff, O-swing. Like, everything's about the same for Stephen Kwan. Except his BABIP is, you know, thirty points lower, and you know his 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 value has evaporated. I mean, he's not he's not a zero, but you know what I'm saying. Like for Ruiz, his value has totally evaporated. Why? Why? I'm not sure that Cabert Ruiz is going to hit like two seventy the rest of the season. You know, I'm just yeah. even though his projections say two sixty plus or whatever, I'm not sure of that because. He is making the same amount of contact, but he's just not finding grass. And I, I don't know. So uh, batting average, I think, you know, I could see going Ruiz, Kavert Ruiz, if you just really believe those projections. Home runs, I think you could go for Cal Raleigh because he's definitely uh, the big dumper with the, the big power numbers. But overall value, I think you're right. I think Diaz slips in there as like the 11th or 12th best uh, catcher. Yeah, and I think the piece of context that I left out too is that you know if you're talking shallower leagues and you're you're obviously you're talking one catcher leagues, uh, then the the person who's at the kind of the the bottom of the top ten, top twelve, that's a pretty replaceable person on waivers in terms of our overall value. So why not take the chance that Ruiz, or rather, I'm sorry, Diaz uh, continues to do what he's done. And one other number, by the way, that really sticks out for me is 45 RBIs. That's almost already a career high for him. He's been hitting cleanup, uh, not the greatest lineup, but a great park. So uh, no, I think there's there's some sneaky value there, some sneaky shallow league value that is not being uh, not being appreciated. He's by DH'd six times, it looks like. Yeah, nice. No, played quite That's a bit. Kind of fun. That is kind of fun. Well, you you noticed some stuff that I think we should get to from the All Star Game uh, in terms of some some other takeaways. And again, not not really a lot to take away. Typically, low scoring, uh, low drama game to be honest. Uh, but you noticed that so many pitchers who played in this game had a velo drop, like a pretty substantial what one to two mile an hour velo drop game to game or maybe first half average to game uh do you make anything of that you know it's really interesting because the starting pitchers usually come into this game they're amped to be in the game they only have to throw one inning and so they throw harder so you know you've got zach gallon uh throwing a, a half tick to a tick harder uh josiah gray throwing uh almost a tick higher uh alex cobb threw his sinker a tick higher um, you know, who are the other starters that did this? Um, uh, Nathan, nope, not him. Uh, Sonny Gray was up and George Kirby is like my prototypical young guy in the all-star amped in his own park, you know, through two at 0.7 ticks higher. He sat 
98.5 in his inning. It wasn't necessarily awesome for him because, uh, you know, he's kind of a control guy, but uh, it was awesome to see him throw a 98 and a half. So that's like my typical, uh, you know, entry point to, you know, starters in these, in, in the futures game too, right? Like I'm like, yeah, we should relax a little bit. Like this guy's a starter. He's not going to sit what he sits in the futures game, right? Right. Um, and uh, that's always a big asterisk when you're talking about one outings like this. But this year, uh, there were starters that were down, and on virtually every reliever was down. So Pablo Lopez uh, down point two, not that big a deal, but yeah, he was down. That's Felix normal. Bautista, who gave up. This is where it started. I went and I wanted to look if Felix Bautista's stuff was down. His four seam fastball is down 0.4, and his other stuff was down about a tick. So, and, and there was some movement down. So, I don't think it was his best stuff. Um, and uh, Michael Lorenzen uh, was down. Uh, let's see here. Carlos Estevez was down. Yannir Cano was down. Uh, let's see who else was down. Nathan Uvaldi was down, and this is the one that maybe worries me the most because he's only throwing an inning, his velo is going down, and it's still down, you know, in one inning. So, you know, I'm a little bit worried about Uvaldi in the second half. Garrett Cole's down two and a half. Now, I'm not worried about that at all because I kind of got the vibe from him like I'm just out here slapping ass and having fun. So, uh, you know, I don't, I think that, you know, like Hader was down 1.3. Uh, Alexis Diaz was up. Uh, Steel, Steel was down. Justin Steele, who's like, got to be so happy to be there, is down. Um, so I don't know exactly how to read this. Mitch Keller was down uh, 1.6 on the fastball. So uh, I don't know exactly how to read all this. I think think and we kind of laughed about this but i think it's you know the game doesn't matter and I've i got, and what I, else because you know two or three pitchers maybe maybe you could otherwise find a, a, a different like reason the gun cold you know or maybe that yeah i mean they spent the game was so boring i'm sorry it was so boring <laughs> uh that when they cut to big poppy and alex rodriguez and them it, it, they were sitting there eating popcorn. They literally talked for five minutes about eating popcorn and the weather. I, I, I'm not kidding. That's I, And then they joked about how how dumb it was they were talking about those things. And yeah, I was like, yes, yes, it is. You couldn't find anything better to talk about. <laughs> They're like, and the weather's been great. So I don't think the weather was super cold. I mean, they did mention that they weren't sweating. So, you know, I guess it wasn't super hot, but... Yeah, these guys weren't bringing their A of A games. Well, I, I think, and I get this from you, you know, that there's not really a reason to be concerned since it was not yeah, across the board. Maybe Evaldi, because it's, it's yeah. just, it just fits hand in glove with what's going on. And I guess Romano did leave the game with injury right after giving up what looked like to be a, a massive homer to Lourdes Gurriel Jr., but it didn't end up being a homer. Uh, he left with, but I guess you looked it up and it was uh, back tightness. That's not something I get too worked up about until they hit the IL, especially since he now gets an automated two days off. Maybe they give him Friday off too, and he gets three days off. That's that's yeah. a luxury for a reliever. Yeah, and that maybe is enough time to to get things right. So yeah, the report that I read said that he actually felt some tightness in his lower back when he was warming up. Figured it would loosen up and never did. Uh, and As a pitcher, to... I'll take lower back over upper back any day. Upper back, it starts to be yeah. shoulder, right? That's lats, and that's 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 throwing stuff. Lower back is just you know back soreness to me. Yeah. So uh, just one thing though, you know, be over the the break and, and into the weekend to keep an eye on. Romano did say he was going to consult with the Blue Jays medical staff when he gets back to Toronto, which I assume is in the next day or two. So uh, you know, for those of us who roster Romano, that is it's a little concerning. So. Uh, that may be the the biggest real world takeaway of all uh, uh, from this uh, All Star weekend. And, and you know this this Vila loss for Iovaldi goes hand in glove with uh, my ranking. Uh, you know this is this is uh, now a, a, a little bit old, but I had him uh, in the late like around forty, and that was because of some concerns, because of his projection, because, but also because of some concerns uh, for his second half health. So. 
if someone values him more as a top 15 to 20 type pitcher, I would believe he's a sell high. Absolutely. And uh, right now, uh, going into the second half, the number one uh, standard roto starter. Really? In fantasy. Number one. Yep. Just ahead yeah. of Zach Gallon. You know, this is something that happens every time I rank and, and someone sort of flies in that doesn't play a lot. I mean, the, I think people who are listening to the show and people who play a lot, you know, understand that what you have done in the most recent future is not exactly what you're going to keep doing. But I remember when I was ranking Martin Perez a couple of years ago when he had a good year, maybe it's last year, and then someone's like, how could you rank Martin Perez like 80? He's like the number three pitcher so far. And I'm like, I didn't know that and I don't care. i mean i was like the high man on Ivaldi going in i'm very happy i banked a lot of this you know i did not know he's number one and i would not consider him number one going forward well that's like with me and tyler wells like i i was the tyler wells guy i got him on several teams i'm happy to ride this for as as long as as do you think he's necessarily what he's accrued so far maybe not yeah i I think he's very good i don't think he's because i think he's top 10 right now um Going off of memory here, which I probably shouldn't do, but... Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Anyhow, uh, let's talk about some other well, let's things. Let's do that, that real are... quick. I think that'd be a fun little segment. Oh, uh, we didn't well, plan. This is unplanned, unplanned foray into these. Uh, the, this number the seven starters so far. Number this seven year. starter and well, standard road of value. Evaldi Gallon, uh, who I sort of believe. Yeah, I, I believe that. I think there's a little bit of softness year to year and sort of dynasty style for Gallon. I just I wonder what he's going to look like when his fastball is 93, but. Uh, Gallon number two, uh, Kershaw number three. Yep, that's that's an interesting one because it, it never was about his talent. You know, it was it was always about his innings projection. So it's really hard to put anywhere. And so it's funny that he's three so far and he's on the IL. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so that number is going to drop because he's not going to add any more innings for a while. Spencer Strider being four, something we all called. Uh, you know, well, the funny thing is, I I feel like he's underperformed. Yeah, no, I do think he could be better. Probably, well, I would expect he'll be number one rest of the season. Yeah, I would, uh, yeah, especially with, yeah, with DeGrom out for sure. Uh, Fromber, yeah, Fromber, I don't, I don't, I don't think I gave him enough love. I think I was a little bit worried that he would allow too many balls in play at a time when the shift ball, the shift ban was taking into effect. Um, what I underrated about Fromber was the added cutter. And uh, the added cutter for Fromber has, I think, really sort of pulled the room together for him because it has allowed him to go for strikeouts a little bit more often. And he's got the second best strikeout rate of his career. Um, so, you know, I, I think I underrated Fromber. I'll, I'll, I'll take a, a, a minor L on that. Um, Eflin was somebody I liked. I think he's overreaching, right? Eflin and Wells mm-hmm. are like both guys that we probably liked, but... We wouldn't put them in our like. How how far would you push them? Uh, I'd say probably for both of them, thirty ish. Yeah, I had I had exactly thirty for Eflin. I guess I was uh I had I had Wells further down because our 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 stuff plus uh based projections had him with like a four or five ERA because the stuff plus is down. But there's something I like about how he's putting it together. I. I likened it to, I saw a band um, in San Diego uh, uh, called Bonnie Dune. And like they, um, if you look at YouTube or whatever, it looks like just sort of like uh, languid uh, indie rock. Uh, But they spent uh, a summer uh, backing uh, another band that was like more of a jam band. And so now they're like 
putting together this like they're all excellent musicians at all of their places and they've they have this backing of sort of, of a more kind of indie rockish style and they're coming into a new style with all those parts and putting them together in a new way um and so now they're kind of a jam band and so if you go on youtube or if you look at tyler wells's stuff plus from last year and you look at it this year you kind of it, it, it's it's happening in front of you you know it's they're become he's becoming something new in front of you and so um I think in other words, Tyler Wells, you know, and, and somebody like Cutter Crawford too, I think they're putting these different pitches together in a new way. That's, that's really fascinating to me. So, um, I, I think I was probably a little bit too hard on Tyler Wells with that, uh, 70, 75 or whatever. Shane McClanahan, everyone loved him. Garrett Cole, everyone loved him. Uh, Justin Steele. I, I think out of all of these guys going forward, I like Justin Steele the least. I think we talked about him about a month ago because we were talking about, and I don't remember who the other pitchers were, you know, but we were talking about pitchers who were pretty reliant on just two pitches. Uh-huh. And um, my recollection was that you were sort of the most optimistic about Steele out of that that group. And I don't remember the reason. But hmm. Well, so he far, said so a, uh, he's in, uh, in June, he had a 156 ERA, so he kept that going. He only had one start in July. Uh, that wasn't great. Um, so we'll see. I, I, you know, I'm just putting him up against uh, right now. I'm putting him up against these other guys. Um, you know, I think Wells or Steele that, you know, I would probably have them, you know, in the fifties somewhere. Uh, ah, okay. And then, uh, Luis Castillo, uh, Kevin Gossman. Uh, I think they were kind of my like preseason 12, 14 in there and they're 11 and 12. So, <laughs> Uh, they pretty much nailed their projections. Uh, Joe Ryan at 13 uh, is interesting. Uh, somebody that we all kind of liked, but uh, I think he's hitting his upper ends and and has come back to earth a little bit recently. If I mm-hmm. yeah. I haven't looked at the splits yet, but I, I I'm, I've been watching his game log and five. I think the last one, if I recall, was break, not good at all. Six earned runs. So in the last in the last uh, 13 innings, he's given up. Uh, 13 runs. So there's yeah. something going on with him right now that's uh, a little disconcerting. I can't get... St- I would love to get Stuff Plus on the game log. That would, that would be, be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe, maybe I can season. see something about uh, what pitch types he's using. Well, while you're looking that up, uh, behind Ryan is his teammate Bailey Ober. That's somebody... I want to file away for maybe 10 minutes from now because he's on a list of players. I just, I don't get, and I wrote about, I think I wrote about him and Wells in the same column and I've actually got more concerned about Ober, but um, let's, let's come back to him. 15 is Webb. I think that's about where you would have expected him to be back in March. I don't know. I don't know how, uh, I guess I am a little bit worried about Ryan. Um, I'm just uh, looking at some numbers here. He's lost uh, some ride in in recent games and he's got that kind of invisible where it's, it's a surprising amount of ride from a, a weird slot. So, um, you know, small changes in his ride could be a big deal. He had the worst ride, uh, second worst ride of, of his season uh, in his last start. Um, and then the other thing that's uh, that is less worrisome is and but interesting is that he has two sliders. He has a sweeper and a regular slider. And if you look at uh, his game to game sideways movement on his slider, it really oscillates. So that suggests to me is he's trying to find the optimal mix of those two sliders. Um, and it has something to do with who he's facing. Like if he faces a very righty team, he's going to uh, go to the sweeper more. Uh, if it's the big lefty team, he's going to go to the uh, the tighter slider more. In any case, uh, some bumps in the road. I would say uh, among these players, I would have him above uh, Wells and Steele. I think I'd still have him above Eflin, uh, but uh, and, ab- and above Eovaldi, uh, but below Gallon. Uh, Strider, McClanahan, Castillo, Gossman, those types. Which again, kind of uh, tracks with where, you know, a lot of us would have seen them preseason. Yeah. So 
that's you know that long range view comes in helpful sometimes <laughs> yeah it's weird yeah uh all right well let's uh talk about some of the things that have happened in the past few days or so again not a, a, a super exciting news week but i think a few things just worth um just touching on at least uh, for a little bit the yankees uh, hired sean casey to replace dylan lawson as their hitting coach and this is <clears throat> when you see a team do this mid-season there's obviously problems on offense so i mean first of all do you put any stock in this kind of personnel change in something that can move the needle? And secondly, is there anybody in that lineup? Uh, I talked about Stanton earlier. He's a streaky guy. I figure he's just got a power streak coming. Uh, but him, Rizzo, maybe Anthony Volpe, uh, who we don't have a major league track record for. But you know, anybody there that stands out to you as somebody who maybe could benefit, especially from a new hitting coach or, or just a, 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 a turn to the page? I actually think that uh, there's going to be some natural regression uh, and, and, and in the case of Volpe, some growth that's already happening that the new hitting coach is going to get credit for. <laughs> um, you know, I know it's it's not a huge sample, but for Giancarlo Stanton, uh, July had his best walk rate, his best strikeout rate, uh, and, in, uh, and a 481 slugging. Um, and it was other than March his best his best month. And yes, he goes in and out of the tank a little bit. I think due to his strikeout rate and his health. You know, yeah. I think you know that's that's the story of Stanton. And then with Volpe, uh, one thing I've noticed and it's because of our our colleague uh, Michael Salfino um, just harping on him constantly. <laughs> uh, that I've sort of and I also uh, picked up. Uh, Volpe in uh, the great fantasy baseball invitational TGFBI uh, just because he was available and I got him for like 80 bucks or something um, out of a thousand. Um, I've been thinking, well, did I mess that up? Is he going to be sent down? And Salfino's yelling, he's got to be sent down. He's been yelling about this and he's been yelling at that. Um, just an interesting thing that I've noticed is that uh, ever since Salfino started yelling about his strikeout rate, Volpe's strikeout rate has just got so down. If you look at his rolling strikeout rate, it peaked over 35% in game 50. And ever since then, uh, you know, has just gone straight down. And in his, his rolling strikeout rate now is 20%. Uh, oh, wow. And that's his best for the season. And I'm not necessarily saying that Anthony Volpe is going to strike out 20% of the time going forward, but I'm saying that's huge. I mean, we've seen him put up 17, 16, you know, 22s in the minors. If he could cut this to 24, 25, as the projections say, now you're putting, you know, a 9% barrel rate and elite speed uh, and good enough defense. I think he's, I'm going to, I think he's going to hold on the position the rest of the way. Um, and I think he's going to hit, you know, 240, 250 with 10 homers and 10 more steals. And Man. that is useful. And that, I think so, we did the, we did a, a, a survey to, to hear more about what you guys, what our listeners uh, are playing. And uh, there was a, a little bit more sort of 12 and, and, and 10s than I, uh, than I expected. Um, and I think Anthony Volpe is a guy that'll be on your wire uh, in some of those leagues, and I would pick him up. I dropped him in my 12. So there, you, there go. you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I actually was kind of surprised. I uh, make sure I heard you right that he was available in your TGFBI because that's those are 15 teamers. That's pretty deep. Yeah. It was a few be. weeks back. It was like right before he started playing better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm a genius. No, I, I just picked him up because I was like, well, he shouldn't be out there. <laughs> Well, that's like what I did with Clark Schmidt, my TGFBI. Yeah. yeah, I didn't see anything coming. I just thought this guy's got too much upside to be sitting out there. And it was just happened to be timed when he started performing better. I think Rizzo uh, at 33, I don't think he's, uh, it is right around 33 where projected bounce backs become more problematic. And I think there's probably no better uh, cover, uh, cover boy for this than Josh Donaldson, who 
um, I think has perpetually for the last four years been a guy who's like, but he's good. He's projected to do better, you know? And uh, those were his seasons 33 through 37. And only in one of those seasons was he actually an incredible a player in 2021. So um, I, yes, there is some risk that Anthony Rizzo at 33 is uh, quote unquote done or whatever. Um, but I still see a pretty good barrel rate. The strikeout rate is up, and that's going to happen as you get older. But uh, and he is chasing a little bit. But it's a, I think it's a good lineup that's going to get healthier, going to get better. That's going to have some sort of juju for the rest of them. Um, I, I think he can easily hit 250 with 10 to 15 more homers in the second half. And I mean, what, what that's what you want out of anything, Rizzo. I think. Well. You know, if we see the Yankees hit better in the second half, do we give credit to Sean Casey or do we give credit to Michael Salfino? I <laughs> not sure. <laughs> or maybe maybe the hitters themselves. Well, and then, I, and then I wonder, sort of philosophically, if there's uh, something uh, afoot in New York. I didn't want to make too big a deal out of Brian Sabian being hired because Brian Sabian is not just scouty, you know, like definitely the Giants were out in front of a lot of organizations when it came to communications technology um, and uh, analytics has has always been a part of the Giants way um, in an underrated fashion, I think. I, 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 I've often stated that someone told me that they were giving lineups to uh, Bochi in 2010. Um, so, you know, that's, that's already more statty than I think most people think the Giants are. Um, so I, I didn't want to be like, oh, look, the Yankees are hiring Sabian. They're going back on their analytics ways. Uh, but I'd have to say that the going from Dylan Lawson to Sean Casey, it's, it's not that Sean Casey's anti-analytics, but there's a little bit of a vibes, a vibes change, uh, uh <laughs> feeling here. And I wonder if uh, in New York they're paying attention to vibes a little bit more. Uh, I do know that, like, uh, uh, just reading around the edges, not that I necessarily got a lot straight up like this from him, but I wrote a piece about Sonny Gray and what it was like for him in New York and the vibes, they were not good. Uh, And so... You know, wonder if there's a little bit more attention to uh, just how the players feel and um, if there should be more of a human connection uh, between the coaches and the players rather than one based on data. I don't know. Uh, This isn't based on reporting, but it's based on reading between the lines a little bit with uh, Brian Sabian and now Sean Casey. Interesting. Well, and you know, the Yankees surge in the second half. Uh, you or somebody could could certainly uh, write a piece on on that and uh, how much of, of, of a priority that, that that's been. Uh, let's just talk about a couple other items that have come up in the last few days. The Dodgers have sent Miguel Vargas down to AAA Oklahoma City. Uh, already Mookie Betts was getting some playing time at second base. I'm not sure there's anybody other than Vargas himself who's really uh, affected much here. Uh, Chris Taylor should be back soon. Maybe that uh, helps him get more playing time. That, Johnny DeLuca, maybe. You know, there's been times where I've been, I've, I've had Chris Taylor on some mains and 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 some and some 15 team leagues where I'm just like, you know, is he droppable? 182 plate appearances in the first half is just, it's a little meager. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've held on to him because of all his eligibilities. And, uh, you know, 11 homers and seven stolen bases, not so bad. Um, so I've held on to him. I do think this is good news for Chris Taylor. I think that when Chris Taylor comes back, I think he'll put up more than uh, 182 plate appearances in the second half. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sort of West Coast Anthony Volpe. Uh, you figure you're going to get some homers, you're going to get some steals. Maybe not he may or may not get batting average. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, Taylor, I mean, Miguel Rojas is a bit of an, uh, an empty bat at, at short. So there may be some configurations where they want to have Taylor at short. But um, I think that the main opportunity for Taylor right now is at second. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a pretty good team defensively. Muncie, Rojas, Taylor, Freeman on the infield. Um, and they've cobbled together enough uh, outfielders. You have Johnny DeLuca on the rundown. Um, listen, there's a lot of players in Major League Baseball, so I hope and nobody finds this embarrassing. I don't know who Johnny DeLuca is, and I'm looking at who he is right now. Well, uh, 
I didn't uh, know about him until they called him up. Prospect so, yeah. rank 26 by Fangraphs. So right. The 26th so, best prospect. They are calling him up, though, because he makes contact and he makes powerful contact. And by uh, at least production on the field, he's been pretty good. However, I will say 25 at triple A. Uh, you don't get any boost on the WRC plus, I don't think, in terms of age at level. Yeah. So he is appropriately aged for AAA, and he was 16% better than league average. So I would assume it's someone that can be league average in the big leagues, and I think the projections have it about right, which is a 250 guy um, you know, with some power who's a righty. So I would assume that he steps in sometimes behind David Peralta, well, it's the Dodgers. I mean, they've got lots of moving parts, as they always do. So maybe, I don't know that anybody gets a big bump from the Vargas demotion, but DeLuca maybe a bunch of people. play his way into time, but I'm not putting a big bid on him to figure out right now because I do think, you know, most days it's Peralta, Altman, Betts, uh, and then Taylor, Rojas, Muncy, Freeman in that, in that sort of configuration. I don't think they want to play J.D. Martinez in the outfield. So it's not like they have a a ton of extra outfielders and infielders. It's actually a little bit surprising of a move to me. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, I, I I may have missed it, uh, but I think Hayward's an important part of that, yeah. that mix. He's been playing a lot and probably play a little bit more. Maybe not enough to make a, a difference, but, uh, you know, like so Jeez. many. Are you uh, kidding me? Guys that the Dodgers pick up from other teams. Yeah. Uh, the, the, he's <laughs> really reinvigorated his career. Jeez. This is... Uh... His best slugging percentage since 2012. Incredible. Well, yeah, when Jason Hayward has a big year, the NL wins the All-Star game. (laughs) That's that's just the rules. (laughs) Well done. It's that's rock solid, dude. We, that's 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 our that's the that's the uh, rights and barrels bet of the day. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't know if it's a new segment, but uh. yeah. Victor Knox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, let's uh, just uh, hop on over to the Marlins for one second. They sent Yuri Perez down, which was expected at some point. And I mean, right before the All-Star game is probably as predictable a time as any. Johnny Cueto has rejoined the team, but um, not clear if he's going to be in the rotation. Did not uh, have good results in his rehab assignment. Uh, so I think there's a bit of a question there about how they fill spots four and five in the rotation in the, in the short and long term. But I think... The big question here, fantasy-wise, is what do we do with Perez? Uh, I think he's a hold, obviously, if you have any room at all. I got him offered a couple days ago in a uh, trade uh, along with you, Darvish, for Austin Riley. I turned it down because I was concerned enough about the innings. Um, obviously, that that I think that would have been a yes for me if I thought Perez would pitch a lot. But uh, how, how do you think we should treat him going forward? In redraft, of course. Or somebody was asking me also, and I hope they are a listener uh, so they can hear this answer because it's too far down in my mentions. I can't find it anymore. But uh, somebody was asking me about trading uh, Bobby Miller and Josh Lowe for Yuri Perez in a league where uh, Josh Lowe would be a fringe keeper or maybe not a keeper for them. So a little bit of overpay to get the pitcher keeper they wanted. I'm hoping with the send down that, that that person could make that trade for less you're right. They should. Because Bobby Miller's in the big leagues. So 
I'd rather do Bobby Miller and a worse player than Josh Lowe and keep Josh Lowe around or whatever, you know? Um, and, and I did like Bobby Miller a, a little bit better than Yuri Perez, but Perez has been really, um, you know, he's been really performing so well that I, I, I could I could get with putting Yuri Perez ahead of Bobby Miller. And I think uh, everybody who has him has to hold him. I think this yeah. is just a managing of his innings. It's going to get a little bit uh, iffy for you uh, holding him for the next uh, week or two. But I would assume that next week we hear about a plan to bring him back up. That would be helpful. So then we can come back with something. So a just bit try more to hold him through this Sunday and then and hope that you get more information next week. All right. Seems seems very sound. All right. Well, I don't know, uh, you know how many of these players we're going to get to. I put a whole list of guys that have just been uh, real enigmas. For me, uh, let's see. I, I know we mentioned who did I mention? Uh, somebody earlier, uh, Bailey Ober. Bailey so we should Ober. definitely talk about him. I also want to talk about Bryce Elder because you and Britt Jurley recently wrote about him in uh, in a recent column. So I guess starting with Ober and, and Elder, whichever order you want to tackle it, um, both have obviously performed well above expectations in the first half. How much of that do you do you like going forward? Um, I, I just don't believe it with elder. Um, you know, I talk about stuff plus too much. I don't want to base it too much on that, but like a 75 stuff plus is really pushing it. Um, and I did notice, uh, in a piece that I did about strikeouts that the sinker is performing better this season than it has like ever in the pitch tracking, uh, era, at least relative to the other pitch types. So there's a little bit of the resurgence of the sinker, but we also know from previous research in, on Sierra and stuff um, that you know a 55% ground ball is not that amazing. Like you know right. you start when you start hitting 60%, you start actually getting a better BABIP than you expect. Um, and so you know it's hovering around 50. You know he was 49% his rookie year. Bryce Elder was now he's 55%. Uh, he just got hit hard 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 by the the rays uh, you know the rays are interesting because they have a team that hits the ball hard and sometimes on the ground and sometimes in the air but they just hit the ball hard and bryce elder even in his quote to us to to brit at the all-star game said i'm just gonna throw it in there and sometimes they're gonna hit it hard <laughs> i was like <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he does have good command. Uh, I do think worse days are coming. Uh, I don't think a 55, you know, like you think about uh, Fromber, right? Fromber was the guy that I did say that I underrated. Uh, and so you could say, you know, you're missing a new Fromber. Fromber's ground ball rates are were last year was 66 and a half percent, 70 percent in 2021 like Fromber is way out there it is 55 percent this year <laughs> but i would say that Fromber is a way better ground ball guy than bryce elder i'm not giving bryce elder Fromber outcomes I'm just not gonna do that right i mean yeah Fromber might not be replicating what he did last year but he's got that in his history yeah you know you could get there and also i just pulled up some stats something i i put in the the rundown had to do with elders the the launch angle on the grounders because that that does matter um, the yeah, because Fromber's always been like a like a almost minus, like he's you know, he gives up like real worm burners. Yeah, so yes, yeah, season to date, and this is down for Fromber too. I don't have the 2022 number in front of me, but I know it was really high. His he's got a pretty normal launch angle on his grounders this year, negative uh, 13.9 degrees. Uh -huh. Elders is getting he's getting high, relatively high grounders, 11 degrees. Uh, Graham Ashcraft is somebody I picked up um, going into the break, positive 11. Uh, I'm sorry, negative 11. Minus 11 yeah, okay. positive level would be very bad. Yes, that would be very non, bad. Those are not even grounders right. anymore. Those are just, those are just line <laughs> <Sorry>. drives. <laughs> negative, negative 11. Well, who's around so. him in negative 11? Who's some uh, I didn't pull up the whole rankings. Uh, I can do that in a moment. I just want to throw Graham Ashcraft out there because part of what I liked about him going into this year was that Fromber type of profile, not necessarily a lot of strikeouts, although we thought maybe with the slider he'd get more this year, but just tons of low, low grounders. Negative 16.5 degrees. Uh, so he's, he's getting that done. So yeah, if you give me, uh, 
uh, who who else did we? Uh, Bailey Ober. I'll oh, talk about oh, Bailey. Yeah, Ober. riff on if you riff on Ober, I can pull up the whole rankings. So you know, uh, Ober doesn't have uh, necessarily standout stuff plus. So I'll admit that. But um, you know, he does. He's at eighty two, so he's better, and he's got uh, you know a, a, an interesting mix of like near league average uh, pitches with great location plus. So I think the uh, what's going on with Ober is a great command of multiple pitches and be some deception that this model may not be capturing. I know that uh, the twins are big on kinetracks, tracks, which, uh, which, you know, you know, tracks all the limbs. Uh, they have limb tracking data that I can't put in uh, uh, stuff plus. Um, and if you just, you just, you know, go to, you know, go to Savant and load up a, a Bailey, one of those, I like, I actually like this. You know that that function where you can just uh, load random video. Mm-hmm, yeah, I actually like that because it's uh, it's a quick way to kind of uh, get a sense of uh, how a guy pitches. And he's tall, but he pitches uh, from like a three quarter slot. And so uh, you know, having a guy who's six nine throw, you know, in terms of raw, in terms of raw release point you're going to you're going to have one idea of it right he probably throws from the same release point as guys who are like 510 <laughs> but he's 6 foot 9 so there's something there about the angle uh relative to the body uh that that maybe maybe I should put pitcher height in my model you hmm. know to kind of triangulate that release point right now you got release point is like a kind of a 2D-ish thing maybe with extension you got 3D but there's it's actually almost 40 because it's relative to the height because you're still going to appraise this pitcher by how large he is, right? That you're still going to kind of look for his arm out of a certain place based on how big the pitcher is. I think this is, you know, a Sean Hagelli thing too if for the Giants fans listening. But I, I think there's something weird about having a guy who's 6'9 throw from like a, a lower, kind of a lower slot. And I'm not sure that uh, my numbers capture that. And, and then, you know, at this point, 80 innings in with a 20% uh, K minus BB uh, and a 12.5% string strike rate, I'm in. All right. All right. Well, you had the question, I think it was about Elder and who's around him in terms of that ground ball launch angle. Uh-huh. So there are six, or I'm sorry, yeah, 65 pitchers who've induced 100 grounders so far. And uh, Elder has the 14th lowest average launch angle. So in his neighborhood is Corbin, Miles Michaelis, Lucas Giolito, John Gray. And below That's, him is Mar- Martin Perez and that great. I think Martin Perez is, is kind of, you know, maybe a model almost for, for him. I know they're, they're not the same handed and, and have different arsenals, but just in terms of like, that's what happens when a guy who doesn't have standout stuff and relies on ground booters, that's what their career is like. It goes up and down. That's how I see Elder. Maybe this is going to be, you know, uh, a good season for him, but I wouldn't necessarily bet on him going forward. Uh, one of the other guy you have listed on here uh, is hilarious, is Dane Dunning, um, who has a 9% uh, strikeout minus walk rate. Um, and, uh, a 15.9% strikeout rate, which, uh, is really low. Um, and it does not come with a ground ball rate that supports it at all at 45%. So, uh, you know, there's used to be a segment real or Memorex. I don't even know what Memorex is. What is Memorex? It's a tape cassette, cassette, blank cassette tapes. But like, like, we like didn't use them anymore. And that's why it's real or Memorex. Uh, I think it was the, uh, I can't remember. That was the one, the ad with Ella Fitzgerald where she shatters the glass and you have to guess, is that the recording or the live? Oh, because the, because the fidelity is it. so good. Jeez, that's, the a, tape. that's an old pull, 1982. I just gave away my age there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, for some reason it was in my lexicon. Uh, any case, uh, Memorex. Yeah, okay. <laughs> for Dane Dunning. I'm with you there. And I, I, I love that Perez comp. Or no, the Perez comp was for Elder. I liked it for him. Yeah, because I think what we're seeing from Elder to go back to him is uh, kind of his 2022 Martin Perez season. Yeah. Yeah. That's what All I'm right. saying. And then and then maybe then next year he'll have Martin Perez's this year. Exactly. 
Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I feel you on that. Cool. All right. Well, let's talk about maybe a couple hitters here. Um, You know, did we, I guess we talked a little bit about Stanton with that Yankees breakdown. Yeah. I mean, Uh, like you have uh, Eugenio Suarez on here and we have talked about him recently, but I would just say like comparing the two, uh, I kind of like Stanton better. Um, You know, I just think that, you know, relying on second half splits, um, to just sort of wash away uh, some of the stuff that you kind of see uh, falling off for Suarez. Um, it's going to work until it doesn't, if that makes sense. It's like, uh, you know, I, I could ignore that his bail rate is down 3% um, and that his max EV is the worst it's been in six years, seven years. Um, you know, I could ignore some of that and just point to the, the second half splits. And I have mentioned that in the past. Um, but the further this slump goes for Suarez, the further I, uh, the less likely I am to, to kind of reach for him. Um, I just, I don't think second half splits have not been proven to be predictive. Yeah. Uh, no reason why you would necessarily think that they, they would. Peterson on the other hand has the best, uh, max EV of his career, uh, his barrel rate is down, but not as much as Suarez, Jock Peterson. His strikeout rate is down. Um, and if you can handle him, if he's a daily guy for you, like if you have a daily league where you can slot him in and out, um, I think he's absolutely somebody I'd pick up off the wire in a 12 team, um, especially to play away from home against righties. But even at home, uh, I think he's, he, he's going to go on one of his uh, home run tears pretty soon. Yeah, I like that call. Yeah, we're back to the streaky power hitter thing. Uh, I'm looking at my 12 team now. Peterson is available, uh, 70% rostered in CBS. So yeah, precisely the kind of roster rate where decent chances in your 12 teamer definitely should be out there and anything, anything shallower than that. And uh, I like that call as uh, him, somebody you can stream on and off of your bench, uh, depending on the, the matchup and venue. Uh, let, let's just finish up with a couple of hitters who to me seem to be overperforming, uh, but uh, see what you think. Hassan Kim, uh, very much a similar profile to last year, but we're, we're seeing some power from him. We haven't seen before. And Laody Tavares, uh, I think kind of a similar thing, like the, to use your, uh, your example of, uh, is it live or is it Memorex? Uh, you know, Tavares, uh, seems to be doing similar things to what he did in 2022. And yet, uh, the results are, have been much better. Yeah, you know, some, somewhat complicating is that the ball is flying a little better this year. Um, so, you know, Hassan Kim had a 150 ISO in 2021. He has a 153 now. He had a 132 in between. I think he's moved from doubles to homers. Because, uh, yeah, I think, let me look at that. Because I'm a little surprised that the, the ISO... The home run per fly rate, ball rate is, is better. Yeah. Um. And the fly ball rate is a little better. I I, I don't. I, I see him as having about league average power, which is good. I think he's sure. he's going to come really close to twenty twenty season, and uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of like Tyro Estrada, mm. uh, yeah. in terms of fantasy value. A uh, little bit less power, um, but. Uh, I don't see a reason to hate on him. Um, and I think his defense keeps him in the game. Uh, he's got some of the best defensive numbers. Uh, and it's on a team that, that would like to have those good defensive numbers. So I think I think that the nice thing about both Haseon Kim and Leota Tavares is no matter what their actual true talent power is right now, their defense is going to keep him in the game. And they're both projected for about seven more homers and 10 to 12 more stolen bases. They're both going to get really close to 2020. Um, and uh, if I had to pick one, I might pick Tavares just because he's younger and uh, a little bit more potential there. Plus, I also okay. noticed that Texas is playing a little bit more hitter-friendly this year, which is, could just be a blip in the park factors. But Right. It's, yeah, it's... Well, one year, half a year, in fact. It's hard to tell. And I just confirmed something because when you made the comparison uh, between Kim and Estrada, which I liked a lot, I'm like, yeah. They, they do offer very much the same thing. And Estrada, even though he's on the IL, is still rostered on CBS at 89%. Kim, just 75%. Mm-hmm. So that's 
you know, again, shallower leagues. If you're looking have a for to pick up somebody who's yeah, if you're looking for yeah. somebody, if you if you just lost Miguel Vargas and you were hoping for some power and speed from him, you know, and Kim is out there, when what? How much more were you hoping out of Vargas than than Kim? Yeah, yeah, interesting. Very cool. Uh, well, I know we've skipped over a few players on the rundown. Maybe you've got some things, uh, uh, some loose ends uh, in terms of things you, you want to talk about. So anything before we... Oh, uh, I just saw that you had up. Corbin Burns on there, and I just, I, I totally believe. I'm, I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, I, I do too. So uh, keep, keep the faith there. And on that positive note, uh, we will uh, wind up this, uh, again, this first episode of the second half. Get ready. Get excited, folks. Uh, we'll have baseball back on Friday. Uh, if you do not already subscribe to The Athletic, you can do so now for $2 a month for the first year. Just go to theathletic.com slash rates and barrels uh, for that deal. And you get to read all of Eno's work. Uh, I'll keep my uh, waiver wire columns coming out uh, every Friday, I think, till the very end of the season. I got a PCI uh, coming up. Up on on one year aberrations or or short short term aberrations and part factors. Oh, that's yeah, that's really uh, sounds like very cool stuff. So definitely uh, come and check that out. So lots of good stuff there on the athletic. Uh, come sign up for that if you have not done so already. So for Eno Saris, I am Al Melchior, and uh, we will be right back here on Friday. Thanks for listening.